This can be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And good morning, everybody. It is a fantastic Saturday. A sports-filled, stupendous Louisiana Saturday morning. Trust me, I am absolutely gassed up for it, as you should be. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Don't believe me. Look outside. It is absolutely beautiful. The weather's warmed up a good bit over the last few days. So trust me, I am all the way here for that and so much more. Over the course of the next two hours, appreciate you listening into the program, be it through the free 103, the game 1037 or the game 1041 mobile apps, your favorite smart speakers. Just tell them to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It is just that simple to be able to listen to us live and in living color and in crystal clear wherever you are. You could be out in Abu Dhabi for all I care, and you can listen to us perfect quality. And then also, Appreciate you listening in on the towers of power that are 1037 out here in the 337 that is Lafayette and then out west, my good man, over in Lake Charles. We got our guy Daryl Whittington back inside the producer's chair. Maybe I'll return for one day only inside that chair last weekend. Loved it, but at the same time, I don't mind being inside the captain's chair here because I've got a lot to talk about, so let me talk to you about what's causing all this right here on a Louisiana Saturday morning. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. Can the LSU Tigers duplicate what happened about 50 years ago? Can they replicate what happened all the way back in 2014 when the fans stormed the field at Tiger Stadium after beating the Ole Miss Rebels? The SEC, first off, needs to stop with the fines. It's 2022, and that crap needs to stop. But when it comes to the question of can they slay the Giant, can they derail the lane train tonight or this afternoon, in a word, yes. To kind of go a little bit further, because obviously they don't pay me to just talk four or five words and that's it. No, we got a lot more to get to. We got to break it down in a certain way. When you look at Ole Miss, they're undefeated. That's no doubt about it. Just It's facts. But they are Teflon Don undefeated. They don't look like a Tennessee Volunteers team that just beat Alabama. Mind you, by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin, but... They are a good team all the way around. 
Hendon Hooker. I threw down some money last night. We'll talk about that in hour two on Hendon Hooker to win the Heisman Trophy. That was his Heisman game. But looking at Ole Miss, not talking about the game last Saturday, which was glorious. They feel to a certain extent the Ole Miss Rebels a lot like the Pittsburgh Steelers from 2020. If you don't remember, trust me, I do because I was calling this team out as frauds for weeks, if not months. In 2020, they started out 11-0, but looked vulnerable in about every other game. Outside of the beatdown of Georgia Tech, who is this team really beat? And I say really beat in the sense of winning by a solid margin and looking good from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. Spoilers, it's few and far between. They barely beat Tulsa about a month ago. I think it was a month ago yesterday. Or it's coming up, one of the two. And they were a little too close close for comfort just last week, relatively speaking, against an Auburn team that is a rudderless ship. And we say it time and again. Auburn did it to themselves. They set themselves up and set Brian Harson up for failure. So with that in mind, I'm of the firm belief that the Tigers have a legit shot at taking down Ole Miss and derailing the lane train as they head into a pivotal in a massive game, probably making the implications of that contest on November 5th even more massive. Now, how they're going to do this is a little bit more of a nuanced question. How how do you manage to beat the Ole Miss Rebels? I think it's got to be Jane Daniels has to put together one of the best games of his life. Don't believe me? Look at what he's, look at what he did just this past weekend against Florida. He was able to keep composed and keep things under control. He's starting to get into the rhythm. The game of the SEC is starting to slow down a little bit for him. Look at what he was doing against teams like Tennessee. Look what he did the beginning of the year against Florida State. He very much was happy feet. Last weekend against Florida State, he looked as good as he has ever looked in a Tigers uniform. Seriously, go look at some of the games he had against Auburn. He was definitely at a little bit too much happy feet. He went down with injury. And then obviously Garrett Nussmeyer continues to underwhelm and make you wonder why wasn't Walker Howard at least considered as the QB2. But what we're seeing with week one, what we saw from week one to what we saw last Saturday against Florida, they're two very different teams. Now, to a certain extent, the offensive line has gotten better. And that's the most important part of the game for any team. And I'm amazed how much people don't talk about that. I am 100% a proponent of offensive line play. Week one against Florida State, they looked like they were on skates for the entire four quarters of the ball game. Now, they're playing against Florida. I think he looked a lot more composed and in control. He was able to kind of withstand an early storm and more importantly, get this team ahead after the defense put forth a good effort. And he's going to be the biggest determining factor for the purple and gold because I think this defense is starting to find itself and more importantly, they're able to fight back and have that bend but don't break type of drive that can give the offense the edge because the offense is getting better week by week, day by day. The defense, just look at a couple weeks ago, the defense absolutely, they didn't play lights out, but they played 
pretty doggone well against Florida in a game that looked like it was going to be a shootout after the early going. If it's a game that is going to hit above that 65 and a half over 100 I saw last night at the casino, I'd lean towards the Bayou Bengals. And what I saw from that team was once they got into a shootout and they get a big three and out or a turnover, the Tigers on the offense can capitalize and get points off of mistakes. And sometimes in a game that's a shootout, a game that's a battle, and it's a cliche statement, don't get me wrong, but when you can hit on a lot of different things, when you can knock it out of the park, the way you do it is by not being the team that blinks first. Whoever blinks first, for the most part, in games like this, loses. And in my mind, I think Ole Miss, because of how suspect they've been against certain opponents, again, if you somehow, some way, manage to muck it up against Auburn, the Kentucky win the way they did it barely by the skin of their teeth, and as somebody who put a $5 parlay on Kentucky, that one hurt for me. So I want to see a little bit of it go back. Because sooner or later, a team that's undefeated but has some sus wins, I guarantee you it's going to come back to haunt them before too long. So I think if it's a high-scoring contest, I still give the edge to the Tigers because they can hold off the Rebels, I believe, in a late drive. Because, again, whoever blinks first in this game, in my heart of hearts, loses the contest. But that's been the wild part of all this, is seeing how much confidence there is in those LSU Tigers. Again, 50 years ago, I was hearing yesterday on the Jordy Holtberg show, the rust and rifle Burt Jones on the air. That was an iconic legend, wait for it, dairy type of game from the Tigers beating Ole Miss 50 years ago when they were undefeated. LSU did kind of the same thing back in 2014. I think there's a ton of confidence. And the betting public has been throwing money on LSU, so much so they are favorites. That's amazing to me because this is a sixth-ranked Ole Miss program. This isn't an Ole Mid team. This is a damn good Ole Miss team, but has some faults that I think Brian Kelly can absolutely zero in on and the Tigers can bring back another win for the family. And in my mind, I think the Tigers have a better team on paper heading into today's contest and can head into the bye week with a lot of momentum. Because, yes, you lost the game to Tennessee, but that was a game, I think, to a certain extent, heading into that, you expected to lose. 11 a.m. kickoff against a damn good Tennessee team. And I've said before, I'll say it again. Josh Heupel is living up to the hype. So I can't, I'm not going to dump on that team for a good while. But they win this game. I think it makes that 5th of November contest. You don't need V for Vendetta to remind you about what the 5th of November is all about. But it makes that game all the more interesting. Now, the only way I can see LSU losing this contest is a lot like how they've lost the last couple. And it's sheer facts that if you have that special teams lay an egg, 
in any way, shape, or form, I guarantee you it's going to be a long afternoon in Tiger Stadium. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fans that agree with that. Because if you have that opportunity and the bag is fumbled, be it once or twice, they are going to be on the struggle bus all afternoon long because I think Lane Kiffin will fully take advantage of those mistakes. Seriously. What happened in the Tennessee game to open up the open up that contest? Jack Besh muffs a return. What happens? Tennessee takes a lead. They take control very early on. And what did I say earlier? The team that blinks first loses? Well, the LSU blinked that week. Can they get it done tonight or this afternoon at Tiger Stadium and under the bright lights of CBS's 2.30 game, the marquee matchup of the week in the Southeastern Conference, at least most weeks? We're not going to talk about that um, uh, Georgia game, Georgia-Auburn or Alabama A&M, which, mind you, was a damn good game, but definitely way more competitive than at any business being because, well, it was Texas A&M against Alabama. But that's what I got on LSU versus Ole Miss tonight. I think LSU will win, but I don't have a pick to click on the actual who wins and who loses that contest. I'll save that more for our number two because I've got a couple picks and some story time to open up our number two. But we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to get to some high school football because week eight, oh boy, oh boy, it was a damn fine weekend, especially if you are a Southside Sharks fan or a St. Thomas Moore fan. We'll talk about that and more next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the... Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Live. You had a one one Lake Charles. And I got to say, I'm looking forward to the movie coming out next month. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. The next movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we've got your chance to see it live before anybody else. All you got to do is text Panther to 337-283-8100. And you'll have your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda Forever at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the 10th. Once again, text PANTHER to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This is brought to you by us here at the game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning. We got Kara Ritchie. She'll be coming on in the next 10 minutes Talking about what's going on with the Arkansas State Red Wolves heading into a pivotal matchup against Arkansas, against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Listen to me, all over the place. A little bit there, but definitely 
a big bowl game for either program. Cage is currently listed as six and a half point favorites, at least last night. Which again, we'll save that more for story time with CD Bay at the top of our number two. But we got to get to the high school football ranks for a little while because it was insane last night, especially in District 3-5A, mainly because we had, once again, it feels like every few weeks we get one of these pivotal ball games, and we see certain programs get to the top of the mountain. And it's always great to see when certain teams do indeed get there. And the Southside Sharks absolutely did something that hasn't been seen in a long time. Add the fact that they have been playing varsity football for only four years. Four years. And they have done something that not a whole lot of teams have done in the last several. And that's topple the Acadian Eye Wrecking Rams. And not just topple them. They took care of business and looked dominant. They had a 28-7 win over Sulphur last week. Big deal. But guess what happened? The Southside Sharks absolutely stepped up heading into this Week 8 matchup. They got it done and looked tremendous. You hear me? I'm talking just nothing short of phenomenal. Getting it done and knocking off the Acadian High Wrecking Rams unprecedented type stuff. I'll leave the final score pulled up right now. I didn't have it memorized off the top. 22-7 to was your final with Southside. Getting it done. Now are 7-1 and have clinched the District 3-5A crown. Acadian High has been a lot like Triple H in the early 2000s with the world title. Of course, got to bring it back to wrestling. It's facts. That team had had a stranglehold, held dominion over 3-5A. We talked about it year in and year out. But Southside, in their fourth year of existence as a varsity football program, got their biggest win in program history. Speaking of District 3-5A, the Carrico Golden Bears absolutely tore it up. <clears throat> it was damn near a game that I, I, I thought was Madden-esque, and I wish there were some prop bets and some bets for high school football. Mind you, maybe I'm not looking in the right places, but the Golden Bears won 72-55. I should have hammered the over against Sam Houston. But here's the other thing. Eight, count them, eight school records for the Golden Bears. My alma mater were shattered last night. Chance Caesar broke the single-game record for touchdown passes with five of them. He went 17-25 for 348. And if you know Carrico High football over the years, that is damn impressive in and of itself. He also set the single-season touchdown record, touchdown passes record. 20. He broke the career passing record. You know, again, Caesar got it done on that end. His career passing record, 32, so he broke that. Chance Caesar goes down as one of the best quarterbacks, and I'm talking damn near pure 
quarterbacks with 32 touchdowns over his career. It's damn good. This is going to be a fun postseason, but it's going to be even more fun because next week, Karen Crow takes on Acadiana. And Acadiana is obviously a little PO'd, a little peeved, but more importantly, Karen Crow has a chance to get some big PowerPoints because they don't have a Week 10 matchup on tap at all. So next week, when Karen Crow takes on Acadiana, if they can pull off that massive win, that's going to help them out a lot when it comes to where they rank in that weird year where you, obviously now you've got select and non-select squaring off. And Karen Crow, because the fact they are a school of choice, are going to be on the select side of the world. Meanwhile, other matchups, New Iberia beat Como 48-12. to Absolutely impressive to see that. Then the other big matchup in the Acadiana area, the St. Thomas Moore Cougars. They were the top-ranked team, and they held serve over the Turlings Rebels, who were undefeated heading into this ballgame. But a lot like what we said in the last second about Ole Miss, they were a little sus in certain aspects of the game. They were able to come away with a win over LCA, but Turlings just maybe had a couple other games that you were questioning where they were. Now, St. Thomas Moore is looking damn good in a brutal stretch. Because here's the thing, their last three games of the year, you play Turlings, you play Westgate, and then you wrap up the season against LCA. And it's not, LCA's really kind of having some growing pains. Going from the class 2A, 3A, 2A, and then go to a 4A. Like, there's a big jump in the competition. That said, they beat Westgate 37-12 last night. So that's going to be a fun ball game next week with Westgate, St. Thomas Moore, and then that Lafayette Christian Academy matchup is going to be all the more intriguing. Now, mind you, I think the 4-4-A district crown at this point is all wrapped up. But still, keep an eye on those ball games over the next two weeks over at Cougar Stadium or LCA's stadium off of uh, Portland. Then we got a couple other matchups of note. Opelousas beats Cecilia 21-16, to and they are in firm control of the district 4-4-A. I was saying 4-4-A for St. Thomas More, but I think that's 5-4-A. My bad. But still, that's crazy to think that Opelousas is set up really nicely heading into Week 9 for a championship for the first time since 1994. I was like six years old in 1994. So that's been a long, long time. Erath and Abbeville squared off. It was the Battle of the Cats over on 106.3 Radio Live yet last night. And Erath comes away with a 31-21 victory. Notre Dame blanks to Quincy, 49-0. Franklin, they outlast Catholic High New Iberia, 38-30. Opelousas Catholic ran up the score. I have not. I was blown away when I heard the game because I want to believe in the house around like 8.30 or so. 8.30, And I'm listening to all the broadcasts on our Delta Media family of stations, and I'm hearing the St. Landry Parish game of the week at around 8.40. They're in the fourth quarter. They're in the fourth quarter in uh, 8.30, 8.40. 66 to nothing. I'm like, okay, good. This game's going to fly by. And it did. 
But it's just mind-blowing to me that we see some of these games. It further proves why the LHSA was right in their decision. Whenever a team's up 42 to nothing or up by 42, run the clock. Or in some cases, because I remember there was a certain team. I, I can't remember the team off the top of my head. But there was a team in this area that literally could barely field a, a starting 22. So after it was, they were up 20, after the team was after the other team was up 21 nothing, they said, run the clock. I don't care. Let's just get out of here and avoid as little injury as possible because they want to at least field a team to finish out the damn season. That was a mind-blowing thing to me. Catholic High Point Capi beat St. Ed 47-14. A couple Thursday night matchups, Barb. They drummed Lafayette Eye 40-17, to dropping the Mighty Lions to 4-4 four and four on the season. Central Episcopal got a nice win over Lowerville, 24 to nothing. Church Point beats Ville Platte, 58 to 20 on Thursday night. They'll be taking on Kaplan next week. Should be a fun ball game there. Rain beats Washington Marion, 49 to 20. Again, that was some Thursday night football action. Can't wait for week number nine of high school football in the Acadian area because that means we're one step closer to the playoffs, which is crazy to think about. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk with Kara Ritchie of The Ticket out in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Talk some Red Wolves next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette 104.1 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And make sure you join RP3 and the game later today from 11 to 1. Right after we get off the air, head on out to Jennings at 3350 North Frontage Road out in Jennings for something cool going on at Heritage Housing. Swing by and sign up to spin the prize wheel, and you'll have a chance to score McNeese football tickets, a pair of those tickets, and so many more prizes. So make sure today you swing by Heritage Housing in Jennings and and CRP3, swing the prize wheel so you can score some free McNeese football tickets and so much more. Absolutely going to be tons of fun out there. I'm sure they'll have things getting geared up for a big Saturday with high with college football, excuse me, high school football was last night, but college football, especially with the LSU Tigers at 2.30 kickoff. But one game in particular we're looking forward to has to be a game a little bit further down the road here in the heart of Cajun country, and that is Arkansas State taking on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns at Cajun Field. And to talk about we got to go behind enemy lines, if you will, and talk to our good friend, the host of Workday Red Zone on the ticket out in Jonesboro and almost everywhere in between in the state of Arkansas and also part of the pregame 
show for Arkansas State on game days on 107.9 KFIN. That is Kara Ritchie. Kara, first off, how you been and how are things going? Hey, everything is going well. Always uh, excited about a college football Saturday. So it should be a great day. Hope you guys are doing well also. And uh, thanks for the invite today. Always an honor to have you on the show. First things first, let's get to Arkansas State because I saw this statistic you brought up. Outside of FBS opponents since the Kansas State win all the way back in 2020, things have not been that great for the Red Wolves. What do you think has been the biggest problem and what's been causing some of the ills of this program? Because, again, Arkansas State for a while has been a very good team. This year you're standing at 2-5, and five and it's not looking much better. At, mind you, it was a t- tough a heartbreaker last weekend against Southern Miss losing 20-19. to 19. Well, it has not been the same issue in all three years. Uh, going back to the last uh, year, the Blake Anderson era in, in uh, 2020, of course, everybody had a little bit of a, a weird 2020 due to COVID and whatnot. But there was um, some recruiting issues, I think, that, that started to happen right at the end of the Anderson era. This team just wasn't very deep. And um, once you had a couple of, of key players depart um, due to graduation or due to the portal uh, under the head coaching change with, with Butch Jones, it was a team that was really, really kind of lacking, uh, significantly lacking in, in depth and, and significantly lacking in talent. Um, the first year under Butch Jones, um, you saw both of those both of those really play out, and uh, last year was pretty tough. It was a two-win season. This year, it's more of a experience issue that is, that is plaguing Arkansas State. Um, if you watch this team, if you've seen the games unfold, A-State has been right in the thick of it in uh, four of these five losses. And three or four plays in a different direction, and, and this team could be at five wins right now. But you're starting to see kind of that experience um, be, or lack of experience, excuse me, be an issue in closing out some some close games. And so it hasn't been the same issue every year, but at the same time, uh, I, I know that record looks looks rough right now from the outside looking in. It does look a little rough, but again, they've been able to keep it competitive against certain programs across the Sun Belt Conference, namely. Old Dominion losing by three, Southern Miss, like we just mentioned. Heck, even James Madison to a certain extent, because obviously JMU has been a team kind of like that surprised a lot of people making the transition from the FCS to the FBS. But what's going to be one of the biggest keys for Arkansas State to get a win in this contest? It's just it's been a while since Arkansas State has been able to come away with a win over the Cajuns, dating back I think to the last year of HUD. It's uh, it's Cajuns are on a four game win streak uh, right now in this series. So right now it's just uh, this is not to say anything to slight the Raging Cajuns because I know they are always 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 a talented and a physical team. But it's just got to be for Arkansas State to play a four quarter game. I mean, you flash back to last week they had an opportunity to to win there at Southern Miss and had two minutes left on the clock and just kind of had a series of meltdowns on their final drive. Um, it was almost the same exact way that their loss at Memphis unfolded. They had some fourth-quarter issues at Old Dominion. And even that James Madison game, which you look and you see a, a final score that's pretty lopsided, A-State was uh, – that was a one-possession game with eight minutes left in that one. So there have just been these series of fourth-quarter miscues um, for, for Arkansas State that have led to, to so many of these losses. So A-State just has to be able to, to close out strong – um, if it's if it's competitive uh, down the stretch, and of course everything we've seen the past couple of years tells us that it should be, uh, just got to play a good four quarter game and, and be able to turn in a solid sixty minutes. 
And I'd agree with you, especially when it comes to you brought the fourth quarter miscues for Arkansas State. Obviously, you need to keep those to a minimum. But when you look at the Cajuns, they've had those in those fourth quarter issues, namely games against Rice. You have the UL Monroe game where they were firmly in control. And then the game kind of slipped out their fingertips and obviously leave a little too much time on the clock at the end of the ball game against South Alabama. I think obviously the fourth quarter is going to be the most crucial part for both programs. Yeah, um, it it will be. I think sometimes. Look, I, I look at things from a from a fan lens, and, and the more I've, I've dived into South Alabama, or excuse me, uh, Southern Miss from last week for a state. Um, obviously, you know, being able to finish strong is important. Arkansas State in that game also left some points on the board earlier in that contest. Um, in terms of the fact that you know there were two interceptions uh, that a state recorded where they were unable to put any points on the board on the following drives. A-State was able to get the ball back after a safety right at the beginning of the fourth quarter in that game and was unable to put any additional points on the board in in that play. And that would have been been the nail in the coffin, absolutely no doubt about it, against Southern Miss. So you got to play four quarters, but you also have to take advantage of any any opponent miscues along the way. Talk right now with Kara Ritchie, part of the ticket, host of the Workday Red Zone over in Jonesboro, Arkansas, noon to two, Monday through Friday, over there on, once again, the ticket out in Jonesboro, and damn near gets every single way across that state. But let's get to some of the other stuff going on in the Sun Belt for a moment, then we'll get back to Arkansas State in a minute. But how impressed have you been on how much parity there is this year than any any other, especially in the Sun Belt West, where the Cajuns have held dominion, but it looks like it's a little bit more wide open in the Sun Belt West with the Cajuns maybe being a little bit down this year, and it feels like there's a lot more competition in that West. Well, in the West and across the league entirely, I think it's really, really likely that we see two completely different teams in the Sun Belt Championship game this year than we've seen uh, ever before because, of course, it's been dominated by App and, and Louisiana, and, of course, Coastal was supposed to participate in, in it one year, but that, that game didn't come to fruition. Uh, you know, there's not a single team in the West right now that doesn't have a loss. In fact, the last team standing in the entire Sun Belt without a loss is, is Old Dominion, which nobody projected at the beginning of the season since they were picked last in the Sun Belt East uh, in the preseason poll. But I, it really just has that feeling that, that anybody can beat anybody in the league at any point in time. Even one in three ULM, you know, you look at what they're able to do when they go and, and play or wait, excuse me, when they're at home, they're, they're still a significant threat to be able to take down just about anybody in the league. So uh, there is there is nothing, I, I think it is fair that there is nothing that could surprise me anymore this year in the Sun Belt. Uh, if, if anybody loses, anybody wins on, on any given week. Uh, no more shockers. Oh, it's been amazing. You bring up the fact that Old Dominion's getting things done in the East, as well as James Madison heading up until last week when they lost their first game of the season. James Madison, a team that just made the transition from FCS to FBS, and they get in the top 25 but can't win the Sunbelt Conference title, that alone was like it had very much 2014 when App and Georgia Southern made the jump over. Yeah, they should have been. I thought they would have success. I thought they would more flirt with their their Vegas over-under, which I think was seven at the beginning of the season. I didn't necessarily see them come in and and going undefeated, but – We've seen in the past when very, very, very sound FCS programs make the jump that 
they're able to come in and have success. And James Madison is actually a program that has sat back and evaluated the jump to FBS for somewhere in the neighborhood of, of eight to ten years. They've had opportunities to join the Sun Belt before. They said no. They sat around, bided their time, built up their budget. So that way, when they could join FBS competition, they were able to compensate their coaches uh, appropriately so they didn't use uh, didn't lose anybody on their coaching staff. Um, they were able to immediately fully fund all of the scholarships they would need to be able to jump to the FC, uh, FBS level um, without missing a beat there. So they came in fully prepared. And, of course, we know they had talent because that's a team that's been in the playoffs at FCS every single year for goodness knows how long. So not necessarily a huge surprise that they had success, maybe a little bit of a surprise that it's been this much success. All right, chat me up on what's going on in the vibe right now with the fan base concerning Butch Jones. Because uh, from what I'm seeing with the Cajuns, and it's only the first year of Coach Dez, and it feels like things are a little bit terse between the program and him because obviously the wins aren't coming up. And I think it's just the fact sometimes you get a little more comfortable of getting consistently eight, nine, ten win seasons. And this year feels like they're going to fall below that number. Again, we've still got plenty of football left to be played. But you've got to wonder, in the second year of Butch Jones, and since you're out in Arkansas, I'm sure you've got the finger on the pulse of what the fan base is complaining about. What's been the overall vibe concerning Butch Jones in the middle of year two? I don't think it's it's not an angry vibe by any stretch, but it's hard as fans to have patience. Everybody knew going into this year that this was the beginning. Last year was, was the beginning of what was going to be a fairly drawn-out rebuild. And so I think that even the high watermark in terms of expectations this year were maybe just a bowl game. Uh, so it's, it's you know, you're, you're trying to trust the process. You're trying to have patience, but it's difficult. We're not a patient society anymore. We're not patient nope. as sports fans, um, especially with the way that some of these losses have unfolded with A-State being so close. That's the frustrating thing. You see the significant, significant improvement statistically. You see it in terms of effort, in terms of, of mentality, but it's it's not showing up yet in the win column. So that's the frustrating thing right now. There's not anybody, you know, sending moving trucks to his house or anything like that. But but this is this is a fan base that really needs to see a win very very soon. And I think there's a good chance we see a very competitive ball game. This afternoon, 4 o'clock kick. Kara, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and enjoy the game day coverage. Hey, you too. Thanks again for the invite. Have a great game day. Uh, we definitely will. Kara Rich, everybody, appreciate her coming on the program. You can follow her on the Twitter sphere at Kara underscore Richie. If you love Red Wolves coverage, she is your gal and absolutely a absolute savant way more talented than I am when it comes to talking about the conference of the Sun Belt. Trust me, she spends so much time pouring into every single bit of detail. It's impressive, as I'll get out every time I have her on. All right, there we go. I can hear myself now. I want to turn my mic off. Forgot I had it off. So thank you to Kara Ritchie for coming on the program. Going to go ahead and take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on with Alabama, because we talked about them losing to Tennessee, and I saw a lot of reaction towards the Alabama Crimson Tide on the betting lines going towards saying they're not going to make the college football playoff. I'll tell you why they probably will. 
And we'll talk about that next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 104 One Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are that. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. I wish somebody would help me with my date night blues. Just kidding. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have a chance to win some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen with Mr. Lester's and Mabel's Kitchen. Both those conveniently located inside Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game. Clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 10401thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go ahead and sign up today. Seriously, what the hell are you waiting for? Absolutely fantastic Louisiana Saturday morning. And it's also just weird in and of itself because I'm seeing, before we came back from break, I wound up seeing on my screen that UFC 280 just started. The prelims just started. Mind you, they're, they're fighting out in Abu Dhabi. So it's a little different to get used to a actual UFC card getting started officially at 9.53 in the after in the morning in Louisiana. So trust me, your boy maybe kind of sneaking a peek a little bit between the Cajuns game later on this afternoon to see what's going on with Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev, which we'll talk about more later on in hour number two. When we get to what's going on with some of the betting odds, some of my picks to click for this weekend, and my brother, we got a lot to get to on that front. But in the meantime, in between time, I want to talk about what's going on with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Because I saw some odds the other day that have Alabama, in terms of to miss the playoff, went down. Like, they had a really good chance to not make the postseason, according to some of these people that love to put the odds together. In fact... Vegas Insider has him at plus 420 right now. I'd honestly take that and run with it. There were people that are saying, you know, to miss, the odds went down to where it's actually a little more favorable to do that in terms of, like, the odds and you actually hitting it. But you never, ever, 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 ever count out Alabama. Yes, this is an Alabama team that has looked suspect. You look at what happened with AM the week before. Barely winning that ball game, and to a certain extent, the refs almost gave them that game. Texas, like they damn near pulled off one of the biggest wins in that program's in, in the first time in a long time that program had would have had a tremendous win over a top flight team like Alabama. 
They looked good in that ball game. Alabama looked suspect. Yes, there's a very good chance I can be completely wrong about this, but you look at the rest of their schedule, outside of Ole Miss, who, yes, was able to get some really nice wins in the mid to 2010s, whenever you had Chad Kelly. Remember him? What happened to that guy? So you have Mississippi State, who is a good team, but I still think Alabama can get the win. LSU, Mississippi, Austin P, and then you wrap the year in the Iron Bowl against an Auburn team that may not have a head coach. If you really want to throw your money away, I'd say throw down the money on Alabama not making the college football playoff. But the rest of their schedule, I think, sets up really nicely because I think Miss Ole Miss isn't as good as their record shows, and I think the Ole Miss Rebels will take the L against that program as well on November the 12th. So right here, right now, I'm going to say it. I think Alabama does make the college football playoff. Now, who comes out of the East? That's a different question. I, I still firmly believe Georgia will win, but Tennessee is going to make a ball game out of it. So we'll talk about that and more in hour number two, hour one in the books. When we come back, I want to talk about what's going on with my picks to click and how things went last week for me. And also a little story time with CD baby right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We got LSU coming up later today. That's going to be a 2.30 kickoff, 12.30 pregame show with Hunt Palmer and the crew, including Marlon Favorite in the house, and then Chris Blair and company going to be on the call as maybe you're making your way around town. Heck, if you're making your way to tailgating today, appreciate you listening in. We'll be back after this with Under the Dome with CD Hour 2 on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We got Ross Jackson. He'll be coming up at 10 30 so we'll be back right after this 